Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Can you really trust people? Can you really trust anyone in your life to be there when you need them? Trust. It's an important concept, isn't it? In a world that is constantly changing and where uncertainty is about the only certainty, it's good to know that there are some things you can trust in. If you live your life with the intention of honoring God with it, if that is your determination, that you're going to honor God with your life and you're going to walk with God through your life, then you can trust that God will be in your life. You can trust that. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Over the last several weeks, Pastor Clay has been taking us through Daniel chapter 6 and showing us from Daniel's experiences certain things that we can trust in. The first week, it was trust that trouble will come into our lives. The second week, Pastor Clay talked about how we can trust that influence will occur when we stand up for God. Our lives can and do make a difference. Well, this week, Pastor Clay is going to show us the most important thing that we can all trust in, more specifically, the most important one that all of us can trust in. It did make a difference in Daniel's life and circumstances, and it can make a difference in ours for certain. Now here's Pastor Clay. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I, I would, I've lived long enough, I've had enough experience in my own life and in other people's lives uh, to probably surmise that a significant number of hands would would go up if I were to ask you to raise your hands if you have ever put your trust in someone and that person let you down. I suspect a significant number of hands would go up. Trust is an important issue, and we've been talking about it from Daniel chapter 6. If you have your Bible open there, Daniel chapter 6, we're in verses 11 through 28. I'm going to give you uh, really, really briefly uh, where we've been, and then we're going to spend the remainder of the time uh, talking about... uh, where we're going, this latter part of this trust uh, issue, if you will, that we're seeing in Daniel chapter 6, and this guy uh, that had just an unshakable faith in the unbreakable promises of God. So far, we've looked at two different ideas about trust. The first one that we looked at several weeks ago was this, you can trust that trouble will come. And we looked at verses 11 through 13, and I'm going to read it uh, to you where it says, uh, then these men, the, these guys that, ha, that had it against Daniel, they didn't like Daniel, they were jealous of Daniel. Uh, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. And then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any God or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? And the king replied, the statement is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. And they entered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction which you sign, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Uh, several weeks ago, we look, looked in depth at those verses 11 through 13, and this, this truth in life that if you, if you stand up for God, you're, you're just going to take the shots. They're just going to come uh, your way. You can trust that trouble will come. Now, we talked about the fact that the trouble comes into everybody's life Anyway, but particularly if you stand up for the Lord God, uh, you can trust that trouble is going to come into your life, as it did for Daniel. Here's a guy that's doing the same thing he's been doing his whole life, his whole, his whole life, certainly the whole time he's been in exile. He's been worshiping his God. He's been serving his God. He's been serving, standing up for his God. And, and just in life, that idea that, ladies and gentlemen, trouble 
comes into our lives. Can I get a, that's right. It does, right? It does. Second uh, idea about trust that we talked about was this. You can trust that influence will occur, that, that through the trouble, through things, but when you stand up, when you do this thing right, you can trust that, that it will have an effect, that, that influence will occur as a result of your desire uh, to honor God. Verse 14, it says, Then as soon as the king heard the statement, he was deeply distressed. And he set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Listen, listen to the heart and the attitude of the king when he realizes uh, that he's been uh, set up to take Daniel down. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. The king gave orders and Daniel was brought in, cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Listen to this. Look at verse 18. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting and no entertainment was brought before him and his sleep fled from him. You know, I don't, I've read this story you know, I don't know how many times. I don't think it ever occurred to me until I was working on this message that uh, the king basically breaks his own injunction. If, if I'm trying not to read too much into it, but it sounds to me an awful lot like the king spent most of the night praying to the God of Daniel, asking Daniel's God to deliver him from the lion's den, praying to the God whom he, the king had signed an injunction saying that no one could pray to. In verse 19, then the king arose at dawn at the break of day and went in haste to the lion's den. It's just that idea that Daniel, uh, in, in really a relatively short period of time uh, here with, with Darius, has had a significant influence on this guy's life. And, and we talked about that, folks. And I'll just say this to you again just to remind you that in the midst of all the stuff you go through, when you stand up for God, you try and get this thing right, you try and live right, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your grandchildren, whether it's with your, your coworkers, whether it's when you don't think anything is getting through or making any difference at all, God's word promises us that we do have influence when we, when we do to the best of our ability, when we seek to honor God, we do have influence in other people's lives. And every once in a while we get glimpses of it. Every once in a while we see our kids get it right or, or, or some, some coworker or some neighbor will come to us and say, you know, I, I'm struggling in my life. I'm having this problem. There's marriage issue. I'm having this trouble. And I notice that, you know, I know that you're a, a religious person. They might say something like that. But what does that mean? It means they've seen something in your life that has made some sort of difference to them. It's making an influence. Now, Let's get to the, the last idea about a trust uh, from Daniel chapter 6. You can trust that God will be there. Trust the trouble will come? Yep. Trust that influence will occur? Yes. And you can trust that God will be there. We're going to read the rest of the story uh, beginning in verse 20. It's the next morning. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? It's a distressed voice. And then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him 
And also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no injury was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel. And they cast them their children, and their wives into the lion's den, and they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all of their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. Think how much strange that must have seemed to the people of all the different parts of his kingdom. I mean, they had just received one edict saying they weren't to pray or praise or worship any god except Darius. And then the next one shows up and says, you're to fear and worship and praise only Daniel's God. You look at Daniel's God. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. Pretty theologically solid. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And so this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You can trust that God will be there. This is, uh, this is one of those times when, when you... When I wish I could be like a fly on the wall. It's one of those times when I, I just wish I could, could have, you know, could know more about what went on inside that lion's den that night. Now, we know for certain what didn't go on. Nobody had supper in there that night. That's for sure. But, but what, you know, what, what was it like in there? Were the lions sitting around thinking, I know I ought to be wanting to eat this guy, but I just can't seem to do it. Did, did, did God give them an upset stomach and so they had no appetite? Well, what was the deal? Now, Daniel tells us that an, an angel was there with him and the angel shut the lion's mouth. But did, did he literally hold their mouths shut the whole night? Or was it just his awesome presence that, that made them fear and, and, and cower and go over to the other side of the den to, to hang out? I mean, what was, I would love to know what was it like inside that den that night? And while we may never have the answers to all of those questions, this we can know and this we do know. God was with Daniel in that den that night. God was in the midst of that circumstance. Ladies and gentlemen, the next statement I'm going to make is very important. Not that the others aren't, but this is very important. And so if you've not been listening to me up to this point, I want you to listen to me very carefully because this next statement is the statement that I have in one way or another, in one form or fashion, one uh, different words or whatever, is the same statement that I've been trying to make in, in all the years that I've been in ministry. And it is this statement, it is this truth. If you live your life with the intention of honoring God with it and walking with God through it, you can trust that God will be in it. Some of y'all are probably tweeting that right now. That's good, go for it. Let, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna repeat that for those of you that just kind of maybe just looked up in the nick of time. If you live your life with the intention of honoring God with it. In other words, if the, if the pursuit of your life, if the passion of your life, if the driving ambition of your life is to honor God 
with, with your life, with whatever your life is, okay? With whatever your life is, for however many days your life is. And is there anybody in here that knows exactly how many days you're going to have? No, not a person in this room. With however many days you have, with whatever circumstances you have, good job, bad job, no job, good marriage, bad marriage, no marriage, good health, bad health, lots of money, barely enough to to squeak by, whatever life brings at you. If you, in that in that life, in that circumstance, make it your determination. I am going to honor God with this life, no matter what, no matter what, I, I, however I'm going to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like, how it's going to take shape, but my driving ambition is to honor God with my life. If you make that determination and with it, you are walking with God through it. Y'all understand what I mean by that? To walk with God in your life, to walk with God through your life. In other words, to be... Uh, so closely connected to God, to have this, to have this uh, vibrant, passionate, intimate, constant relationship with God. Not just this, you know, oh yeah, I've accepted Jesus and I get to go to heaven someday and I need, I need to show up to church on Sunday kind of thing. I'm talking about where you're walking with God through the stuff of life that, that there, there's this fellowship, there's this union, there's this communication, there's this thing going on in your life with God. And, and in some sense, those, those two things are, are just two sides of the same coin. But, but if, if, if that is your determination, that you're going to honor God with your life and you're going to walk with God through your life, then you can trust that God will be in your life. You can trust that. You can trust that. Now, at this point, I need to say something else that's important. You listening? Everybody with me? Okay, got this one up on the screen too. The fact that we say that you can always trust that God will be there doesn't necessarily mean that you will always be delivered from the situation. I'll repeat that one. Now, Listen, you, you know that if you're a follower of God, if you've given your life to Him, if you're doing so, then there is an ultimate delivery day coming, right? Everybody knows that? There's, there's, there's a day when the King of Kings is coming back. There's a day when He can take us to glory. That's an absolute reality that I believe in my life. So in that sense, I know that there's a delivery day coming. But what I'm saying is that just because I say, well, God, God, God is God's present, I, I'm, God is here and, uh, and God's going to be in it, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm automatically going to be delivered from the, the situation, the life, the whatever it is that I'm in. It doesn't mean necessarily automatically he's going to do it. He may. He may. But he may, in his perfect, absolute knowledge, he may determine that leaving you in a situation has a greater uh, purpose than automatically delivering us from the situation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Y'all with me? Now you're scattered all over the place today. You know? so, but do, do your heads, you know, act like, you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't automatically mean. In other words, we, we, look, at, uh, we look at stories like Noah and his family being delivered from the flood through the ark. We look at stories like the Israelites uh, 
being delivered through the Red Sea, walking through on dry land and being delivered from the Egyptians and from their oppression. We look at stories like David being delivered from Goliath. We look at stories like Peter being delivered from prison or Paul and Silas being delivered from prison. We look at those stories and we say, we say, praise God. He, he was with them through that circumstance and, and miraculously delivered them. And certainly God was with them in those circumstances. And certainly he did miraculously deliver them. And certainly he does deserve praise for what he did in the situation. But can I just remind you that a few years later, Paul was arrested again. And this time he was beheaded. Could Paul not trust in God that time? Peter was rearrested. And, and most historians agree that he, that he was put to death by crucifixion, by being crucified upside down. Did, did God bail on Peter at that time? Do you say, oh, nah, I don't care about Peter this time? Was that it? Look at this passage in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. The writer says, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead uh, from the re- by the resurrection. You think, yeah, that's right, God. God. Say it. God. Others were tortured, not accepting their relief, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. What's the deal with them? Was God not with them? Yes. Yes, God was with them. Every step of the way, God was with them. We have to understand that, that when, when this determination is made to, to honor God with our lives and to walk with God through our lives, saying that, that God will be with us as we go through it doesn't automatically mean that we are delivered from it, from whatever that circumstance is. So then the question becomes, well, what, what does it mean? And if we say that we have God's, uh, the, the, the knowledge that God is, is going to be there, what does that mean? Let's start with the obvious one. First, it means that we have God's presence. When we're in the middle of it, we have God's presence. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you, and he will not fail you or forsake you. Notice how God is with the Israelites. Look at the same chapter, verse 8. The Lord is the one who goes, what's that next word? Ahead of you. Say it. He's the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. It is the presence of God. Now, uh, perchance, someone out here might be thinking, well, 
golly gee, Batman, can't I just have the presence of God without the trial, without the tribulation, without the trouble? Can't I just have the presence of God? Yes. Yes, you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I encourage you, as we looked at it, I encourage you to walk with him on a daily basis and experience his presence in your life. So I'm not saying that, that you have to go through trials and tribulations to experience the presence of God. I'm just saying you're going to go through trials and tribulations. We spent several weeks kind of establishing that fact that it's just a part of life and it's a part of standing up for God. You're going to have trials, you're going to have troubles, you're going to have tribulations, you're going to have problems, you're going to have all kinds of stuff. You're going to have that. And what I'm saying to you is you can have God's presence through that time in your life. Now, somebody else in here or, or listening or watching uh, might be thinking, well, what good is it? If, if you're telling me that having God's presence doesn't automatically mean I'm going to be delivered from this circumstance, what, what difference does it make at all? That's a good question. And all I can tell you is, from my personal experience, I have watched people die with the presence of God in their life. And I have watched people die without the presence of God in their life. And I'm telling you, there's a difference. I have watched people deal with a loss or a betrayal or a financial crisis with the presence of God in their life. And I've watched people go through those types of circumstances without the presence of God in their life. And I'm telling you, there's a difference. I've watched people struggle through, through heartache and, and heartbreak and, and anything else that you can imagine in their life. I've watched people do that with the presence of God in their life, and I've watched people do it without the presence of God in their life. And I'm telling you, there is an undeniable, unquestionable difference when you make the determination that you're going to honor God with your life, walk with God through your life. There is an unquestionable, undeniable difference that is made when God is in your presence in the midst of those times. So I, I'm just going to, for me, I just, I'm just going to, I want that. I want God's presence. Okay, let's look, at, let's look at the second one. Power. God's power. That having, that knowing that God is going to be there means that God's power is available to you. Look at a few passages of Scripture. Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. This is God himself speaking. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Is there anything beyond the... Re- oh, no, I can't quite do that one. How about the Apostle Paul says this, Philippians chapter 3. Paul's talking about the relationship with Christ and all that kind of stuff. And, but here's what he says. he says. He says, I want to know him. So that I may know him, watch this, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. The Apostle Paul, who, who wrote that last verse we just looked at, guy who knew a little bit about hard times, guy who knew a little bit about suffering, guy who knew a little bit about trials, says, listen, man, I want that power in my life. I want the kind of power that can raise somebody from the dead. That's the very kind of power I need operating and working in my life. And, and right alongside the Apostle Paul, I would say, amen, Paul. I need that kind of power in my life. By the way, have you ever heard anybody you ever heard anybody say something like, oh, God, belief in God is just a crutch? Y'all ever heard that? In other words, what they're saying is uh, Christianity is, uh, belief in God, is, it's just, it's just a, a crutch for, for weaklings, people that aren't strong enough to stand on their own two legs. I don't need that kind of stuff in my life. Maybe you've had somebody or read about somebody like that. 
Listen, I'll just, I'll just go on record and tell you, we are all broken people living in a broken world. And I will stand unashamedly before you and say, I need God's power in my life. I need it. Because my life would be a mess without it. So it's the power of God. To know that God's power is available and, and it can operate in my life, in the circumstance, in the difficulty, in the trial, in the whatever it is. Third idea behind what it means when we say God will be there. God's plan. We get God's plan. All right, let's look at some of these. Psalm 4, verse 5. Do what is right as a sacrifice to the Lord and trust the Lord. The implication is God's, God's got this. God's, God's got your back. God knows what he's doing. Uh, Psalm uh, 37. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward the wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass. Talk about this in a minute. Fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Hang on. You can trust in him. Look at this one. Psalm 125 verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. How about this one? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. This path, this, this, this purpose, this plan that God is achieving in your life. If you will trust in him. How about this one? Uh, Isaiah 26. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God, the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. There's stability here. There's, uh, this is not a, uh, God is not a fly by the seat kind of God that's like, oh, okay, uh, better stick my finger in this leak over here. And uh, No, folks, God knows what he's doing. And maybe one of the more familiar ones, but you may not be familiar with this particular uh, translation, the voice, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. We are confident, we are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. God has a plan. He has a purpose. I genuinely believe that for our lives. And whatever, the good, the bad, the ugly, the whatever, God is able to take those things and shape them as part of this greater good that he's achieving in our lives. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand? Now, let's be honest. We hate that about God when when we're in the middle of it. We hate that about God. We... We want God to change it. We want God to fix it. We want God to do away with it. We want God to conclude it. Conclude it the way we want, of course. But, but that's what we want. And it doesn't work that way, necessarily, because, another important statement I'm going to make, God's plan will always put a priority on the permanent. Now, can I tell you that I have said this, if y'all you know, have listened at all over the last several weeks when I've been in Daniel 6, this latter part of Daniel 6, I've said this in different ways several different times. And the reason I keep saying this, ladies and gentlemen, is because you and I live in, in the here and now. This is, this is the reality that we live in. As I said a moment ago, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We, we live with every bit of it. We live with our circumstances. We live with our trials. We live with that... that, that uh, that boss that's terrible, or we live with that, that financial crisis, or we live with a spouse that's not, you, you, you know what I'm saying? We live in that, and we get so uh, consumed by that, so wrapped up in that, 
And God's reason for putting priority on the permanent is, is quite practical. It's because all of this, all of this is going away. It's all temporary in, in this life. So you understand what I'm saying? The, the material, the, the lack of stuff, the, the broken down car, the, the, the ill relationship, the, it, it's all temporary. And so it, it really makes a lot of sense that God would put a priority on the permanent, on the eternal, because that's the only thing that really is going to last. And so God will take the bad, the, the ugly, the good. He'll take all of it. When we're, when we're living to honor him and walking with him, he'll take that stuff and he'll shape it for what is a better, uh, a more eternal, ultimately a more eternal good from it. So God will always put a priority on the permanent. And we would whole lot, as I said, rather that God would fix it. God's plan is being orchestrated and worked out, and it doesn't matter if I even understand what in the world is going on if I simply trust. See, that's what faith is. It's trusting that I'm walking as best I know how in obedience to Christ, and I can live in the fulfillment that God's plans and purposes are being worked out. I was telling somebody not long ago that I was counseling with uh, about a, a, a bad job situation. I, I was talking to them about that, that one of the things you have to begin to do um, is, is just to recognize that, that you, don't, you don't work for that XYZ company. That's what I used to have to do when, before I went into vocational ministry when I worked for the post office. And it was just, it was, some days it was just brutal. And it was just... Uh, it was, I would just have to say, I don't, I don't work for the United States Postal Service. They are simply the means through which God is, is providing the resources that I need to support my family. I work for the Lord God. And it totally changed my perspective about go, going to work. And I suddenly didn't see the, 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 the lazy worker that's making as much money as I am and doing a quarter of the work. I didn't see him. The, I saw him, saw him as, a, as a lost guy in need of a, of a savior. And, and the boss that was trying to move up the, the ladder and, and by showing what a great boss he was. and act, You understand what I'm saying? It totally changed the perspective when I began to real, recognize God's plan is bigger than all of this. Okay, all right. Climb down off that soapbox. Emmy, let me give you um, one more that, that maybe you hadn't thought about up to this point. Punishment. Knowing that, that God is there. Listen, right, and I, rightfully so, but none of us like the idea. All of us probably, when I read that part about, about those children and the wives being thrown into the lion's den, we all kind of bristled at that, didn't we? None of us like the idea that... that, that, that that those guys' wives and, and those children were, were thrown into the lion's den. But listen, I want you to understand this. As, as I understand God, as I understand how he functions, that, that was those men's doing and the king's doing, not God's. It, it was pretty much SOP in those days, pretty much standard operating procedures in those days for a ruler or a king. If he put somebody to death, it was pretty much standard operating procedure that he was going to put the whole family to death. That way, he could ensure that none, none of the children or grandchildren, nobody was going to come back on him and try and get revenge, you know, five years later or ten years later or whatever else. So they would just wipe them all out, and that would kind of ensure the deal for them. Think of the irony of this situation. These men fully intended. They'd already said, we're never going to find anything wrong with Daniel. 
We're never going to find any. He doesn't do anything against the king. He doesn't do anything. We're never going to find anything against him. We're going to have to catch him on something, his worship of his God. They had already conceded the fact that Daniel was completely innocent. Think of the irony. These men intended to shed innocent blood. And that's exactly what happened. Except it was their own children and their own wives instead of Daniel. But the truth is, in the end, these enemies of Daniel got exactly what they deserved. And by the way, that is what God's Word teaches us. Can I show you just a a few passages of, of Scripture uh, Proverbs eleven eight: the righteous is delivered from trouble. No matter when it occurs, you, may be, you understand what I'm saying? The righteous is delivered from trouble, but the wicked takes his place. Proverbs 26, 27, he who digs a pit will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone, it will come back on him. And one of my favorites, Colossians 3, verse 25, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done. Watch this. And that without partiality. There are people in your life, in your past, or coming into your future that have or will do you wrong. There are people who will betray you. There will be people who will abandon you. There will be people who will cheat you. There will be people who will try and and ruin you. There will be people who will try and... It's got to be an encouraging message. I'm sorry. But this is the truth, right? It's right. Have Have you lived long enough to experience any of that kind of stuff? I'm telling you something. I have. I have people... I've had people lie about me. I've had people, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Maybe, I, I, I'm just probably not as spiritual as y'all. I'm probably just not as spiritual as y'all, but I'm telling you something. It is a source of comfort to me to know that God is a God of absolute righteous justice. And that God will balance the scales someday. And that I don't have to worry about getting even or, or even, even necessarily winning the argument or letting somebody know. No, God is perfectly capable of balancing the scales. And because he is a perfectly righteous judge, he will deal accordingly with each and every person as he knows is absolutely correct in each and every situation. This is the God, ladies and gentlemen, that you can trust in. Will trouble come in your life? Absolutely. You know that it will. Doesn't mean that you can't be an influence. Matter of fact, it is in that trouble that you're probably going to be a greater influence than you would have been without the trouble. But you can have God's presence in your life. God will be there. Oh, by the way, let me just throw this in. It's kind of going back to the to walking with him idea. If you do not take the opportunity to, um, to experience God's presence in your life, you understand what I mean by that? I mean, God is here. God, we understand. But I'm talking about to, to know him, to, to experience him, to, com- to commune with him, to have this relationship with him, to talk with him and, and know that he's communicating with us. If you don't take the opportunity to do that in the, just in the, regular, the regular stuff of life, before the crisis or the trial, if you don't do that, if you don't take the time to, 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 get, to open his word and begin to get to know him and talk to him, get in your prayer closet, all those kind of things, those disciplines that we talk about as a follower of Jesus, if you don't take that opportunity during the normal stuff of your life, then I'm just going to be honest with you, you, you could very well have problems hearing God or sensing God's presence when the, when the hurricane does hit. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying he won't be there. If, 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 if he was there for Daniel, he'll be there for you. He'll be there for me. I'm just saying that when, when it's the, you know, quote unquote, normal times of your life and maybe you're not, that, that's a good opportunity to say, God, I want to know you. God, I want to draw near to you. God, I want to walk with you on a daily basis. 
And the more you walk with God, the more familiar you become with him. Doesn't that just make sense? Right? Isn't that, those of you that are married, isn't that how you know your spouse? Right? Because you walk with them. You, you spend time with them. You, right? My wife and I have a fantastic relationship. I'm not, well, I'm bragging. Yeah, my wife and I have a, well, we have a relationship. I mean, it's, 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 it's I mean, it's good. We have a great relationship. But, it, but that didn't happen. It doesn't happen because, because I just, you know, walk in the door and, and flip on the TV and, and, and live a separate life. You understand what I'm saying? We've got to be together. So that makes sense. Everybody gets that. So why wouldn't it be the same with God? If, if I haven't talked to him, spent time with him, then... But this you can know for sure. This you can trust in. God will be there for you. Thanks, Pastor, for today's timely reminder that we can always trust in God's presence. As Pastor Clay explained, that doesn't necessarily mean that we will be delivered from every situation or trial, but it does mean that God is present with us. And that does make all the difference in the world. Of course, having God's presence begins with having a relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? As we heard Pastor Clay say several times over the last several weeks, we're all going to have times of trouble. So knowing Him and knowing that God will be with us is the most important thing that we can know. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.